welcome to episode 19 of The God Learners, a podcast about reading and playing in the mythical world of Glorantha. Uh, I'm Ludo, aka Lord Abdul, and today I've got, uh, let's start with Evan. Hi, Evan. Hey, Ludo. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, JM. Hi, JM. Hey, Ludo. Thanks for having us on. So Evan and JM uh, from Exploring Glorenta. Hopefully people uh, know a bit about Exploring Glorenta, but uh, we'll talk about it in a minute. Evan is going to be my guest my sage, I suppose, because uh, Jurg is once again uh, still resting his brain. Um, hopefully he'll be back uh, in a month or two. So yeah, you're going to be the stunt uh, Jurg, Evan. I'll do my best. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, give your uh, nerd cred to the Glorantan community and, uh, and and justify your presence in this uh, illustrious podcast? I, I'll give it a try. Uh, so, yeah, I started with the Dungeons and Dragons in uh, 1977. And uh, I, I wasn't born. <laughs> just just saying. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, got into RuneQuest and Glorantha in uh, high school in the in the eighties, uh, and um, been following it uh, ever since. There have been some peaks and valleys. You know, I say that my my dad gave me uh, watching The Prisoner and reading uh, hard science fiction like Larry Niven. My mom brought me the Greek myths and the Arthurian uh, myths and J.R.R. Tolkien, and I found Dungeons and Dragons and Doctor Who on my own and uh, here i am yeah cool we have a, a couple better credits well upcoming credits that you can uh, you can well maybe at the end you'll talk about what you're working on when we do a bit of, of marketing sounds fair sounds fair. yeah and jm um jim the foggy i always confuse your name with jim the matisse because it's GMD something. Uh, I don't know if you know Jim Dematteis. He's a, a, a comic book writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did a bunch of stuff for like Vertigo comics, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, anyway, so yeah. Who are you? What are you doing? And um... Well, I started playing D&D &D in 1975, two years before Evan and five years before I was born. So, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, my first my first role playing game I got was in grade school. It was Heroes Unlimited revised, and I made probably two hundred characters for it, but could not figure out. I never figured out it was actually a game <laughs> until until in middle school I got introduced to GURPS, and then it all clicked. Ooh, nice! And uh, so then I've been I've been running games basically ever since, and. Um, you may know me from the iconic podcast where we talk about all things 13th age. That's actually where I met Evan. He won a contest that we had in season one and we shared a love of Glorantha and that's where exploring Glorantha comes from that, that from that um, I and now I'm, I'm in the industry. I've got some publishing credits. I've got some writing credits and I've got some developer credits on several different games and game lines. So it's just, it's awesome. It's my full-time job now. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So I'm actually um, sorry that I made you record this while you are in the last 48 hours of your first Kickstarter, as I understand. It is. We got 46 hours left. And as anybody who's ever back to Kickstarter, you know, those are the busiest 48 hours of the Kickstarter. So yeah, so hopefully you get you get like a 
you get a little breather from that uh, now until you get back in the fire. That's right. I got other people watching it for me right now. So if this could be like a six hour episode, I would be totally okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll tell people about uh, that Kickstarter who's going to be, which is going to be over anyway, by the time the episode goes out. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, how about you talk a bit about exploring Glorantha though? What is it? Uh, Evan and I have talked about wanting to do something for Glorantha for probably seven or eight years, maybe even longer than that. Yeah. But we lucked out in the fact that Evan lives not too far from where my family moved. Um, and so one of the trips I was out there was like, let's see if we can't meet up. And we went and grabbed lunch, got lost, found a coffee place and sat down and hashed out the first season of exploring Glorantha and started it. What? Maybe like three months later. And yeah. uh, Evan, why don't you give us, why don't you give the introduction to what it is and what we do or try to do? I think we fail yeah. sometimes because we go down <laughs> a lot of rabbit holes. Yes. It's easy to do with Glowenta. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, we wanted to do, uh, I think we have sort of three goals. The The first one was to uh, help make Glorantha accessible um, because we deeply love it, but we understand that, you know, it's huge. You know, there's a, giant encyclopedia set for it. Uh, it's been around uh, since uh, Greg Stafford conceived of it in the 60s and then, you know, brought it to games in the 70s and 80s and, and uh, you know, has a, a fiercely loyal fan base around the world that's been contributing to it. And uh, so we wanted to find ways to share, hopefully, bite-sized pieces of it that people mm -hmm. could pick up and use it to game with, to, to make it practical, to say, hey, this is how you can put this in a campaign and an adventure, et cetera. I mean, second, we wanted to just sit together and talk about Glorantha. Uh, <laughs> we would do that, you know, anyway. And, you know, if we can record it and uh, organize it a little bit um, and share it with, with people, uh, all the better. And, you know, then we wanted to uh, really push ourselves, I think, to expand our own understanding to do our own exploring and have um, a, a, a reason for that mm -hmm. um, and to be able to bounce that off of one another and uh, to try and build a community that uh, found enjoyment uh, in that. And, you know, we get a lot of great feedback and, and ideas that just, I think, build a more interesting and more enjoyable interaction with uh, with Glorantha, seeing it through many people's eyes, mm -hmm. and uh, and um, and spreading that idea that your Glorantha will vary. That uh, seeing all the different uh, perspectives on it and uh, being able to to take and choose uh, b between them and uh, share ideas. So you know, it's just been a a, a great joy. We've done. Two years worth of uh, worth yeah. of shows, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we got to meet great people. We got to meet you at Chaosium Con. We yeah, that was awesome. We, we met a bunch <laughs> yeah. of the Chaosium folks. It's uh, it's been a great uh, venture, and you know, Jam and I will just keep it going as long as as long as we can. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can find uh, topics to explore. So yeah, the, I mean, you you have like it's basically. Almost like Lorenza 101, where it's like each topic is 
you know, a place like the Grazelands or Prax or whatever, or a elder race like the elves or the uh, the trolls or whatnot. And when people become Patreon uh, patrons on Patreon, mm-hmm. uh, they get access to your show notes, which I discovered not too long ago that they they double very nicely as a sort of index, basically. So you know, yeah. if I if I want to look up something about you know, Prax, I can actually get the PDF from your Prax episode and quickly find, you know, the thing that might be interesting. And then I can then look up the actual source that you got it from. So my job is sadly to just continually look at the outline, fall in love with it, and then be like, all right, we can't cover all of this in an hour. So what's our one on one topic? Yeah. How much um, how much of the audience are actual newbies to Glorantha versus grognards who want to check that you're not going to say something wrong i don't think we've had any grognards who have corrected us we've had a couple of people who have given suggestions and said hey that one wasn't i mean we've had a couple evan evan graciously (laughs) answers those but i would say that it's probably at least to my experience evan you can you can tell me if i'm wrong it feels about 50 50 we've got people who have said hey this is awesome like mm-hmm. I wanted to know more about this, but I never wanted to delve into it because again, right. You look at the guide to Glorantha and feel like that's what I need to know to run a game. Now I'm done. Like, I don't, <laughs> yes. like I'm going to bounce before I even crack that cover. Although I'm probably one of the few persons who started with the guide to Glorantha, but that's another. <laughs> I, I listened to earlier episodes. It was the maps that got you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got the big book and I, Flip through it. I'm like, it's full of maps. This is amazing. What the yeah. fuck is this? I want to know yeah. more. But yes, <laughs> I carried my set around Gen Con one year. I bought it at Gen Con oh, at the little moon design booth, and I carried those three books around for two <laughs> days, trying to get everyone's signature. Until finally, Rick was nice enough to say, "Just, just leave them here. Like Sandy will be back." Because every time they're like, Sandy will be back at this time. So I'm carrying around. By the time I set them down, my arms were like curled from just holding them for so long. Uh, yeah, Rick is very nice. He's a great guy. They all are. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So um, if anybody hasn't checked out Exploring Coronta yet, they should. And of course, they should also spend money to get those nice PDFs. Thanks. I've got you here because I wanted to talk about something else, a bit different than usual, which is your game Jackals. 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 Uh, yeah, awesome. I'm 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 excited about it. Like, I know we're gonna we're gonna try and do uh, an episode on Thirteenth Age Glorantha, but you know, yeah. the, the new book just came out for Jackals, and I I'm glad that we're just gonna take some time to chat about it. Cool. Well, I mean, what is Jackals except some weird little animal? Um, so Jackals is really, it's, I mean, it's inspired by my love of Glorantha. I, it inspired me to look at myths and the Bronze Age more and more. I ended up getting a, a master's in theology centered around like ancient Near East cultures and languages and myths. And so, yeah, I, I learned about this recently and I'm like, Jane is the only one that is, you know, actually certifiably appropriate to talk about this kind of stuff <laughs> uh well as as a as a pastor friend of mine said congratulations you've got your master's it will now open exactly zero doors for <laughs> for you and i was like haha 
you didn't realize that I turned this into a three book <laughs> deal. Nah. Uh, so Jackals is an ancient Near East inspired Bronze Age fantasy setting, um, much more closer to our world than Glorantha, but the bones <laughs> of Glorantha are deeply there. Yeah. Um, I have to put on my Jurg hat for just a second and ask, is it an actual Bronze Age uh, fantasy or is it like a, a fake Bronze Age because Glorantha is not actually Bronze Age? It is It is an actual Bronze Age fantasy. There's only one culture that gets obliquely referenced that has access to, to iron weapons and they are... Uh, farther to the north and is very much uh, right where the Scythians had access to like sky iron. Right. Um, that's, yeah. that's that. So everyone, everyone here has bronze weapons. Uh, red Smiths are a thing. It is like in our world we had right around was 1144. We have the bronze age collapse. Yeah. We're kind of coming out of that. So we're still in the bronze age, but it's, it's a little bit more late bronze age, but there's yeah, still... I, saw, I, I saw some references to the sea people in Jekyll. Yes. So that made oh, me yes. chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, uh, that's my, one of my favorite internet memes is where they're like, history is written by the winners. And it says the sea peoples arrive, conquer a bunch of stuff, burn a bunch of things, <laughs> cause the bronze age collapse, leave no written records. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's the usual, well, the common trope of, um, there was like a big thing and then it's done and you played the start of a new age. So, mm -hmm. um, do you want to give us the, uh, maybe the, the, the short version of, you know, what is the setting, the situation of the setting? Uh, what is this kingdom of Barack Obama or whatever it is? Um, <laughs> I had to do it. Sorry. Uh, no, I'm totally fine. <laughs> um, so essentially, um, I wanted a Bronze Age collapse because mm -hmm. uh, a game designer that I had the pleasure of writing with, um, a guy named Ross Watson, said, Hey, you got to be able, to, if, if you're pitching a game setting, you need to answer three questions. Mm -hmm. um, what do the heroes do? What happens if they don't do like, what's the primary action? What happens if the players don't take that action and what's the central conflict? And so that really helped me refine jackals. And so essentially it's, a, it's analogous to the bronze age Levant. So kind of Canaan, you know, ancient Greece down the, um, down the coast of Israel and Canaan, and then into, into, uh, Egypt and all, all of the major, um, population centers were sort of, um, they had this collapse, uh, due to a variety of different reasons. Uh, each one kind of suffered from different reasons, but now trade is back open. Um, the kingdom of ignorance, which was this beast, uh, something that was inspired directly by Glorantha. Uh, this, you know, this beast man, this Takan uh, kingdom in the center was overthrown. And now humanity has a chance to kind of expand back out, reconnect with uh, each other and, and hopefully keep chaos and the darkness at bay. And whether they succeed or not comes down to the jackals. That's what you play. You play people who, for whatever reason, have in a in a setting that is very much like Glorantha and the Bronze Age, where community is everything. Mm -hmm. You have walked away from that, whether you know, for whatever reason, <laughs> and you have formed your own little community, this pack of jackals and towns love jackals when they have something to deal with. And then as soon as that is done, they want you to get out. 
because, right, we don't know you. You're not related to anyone here. You've got weapons. Move on. Yeah, you're, you're just contractors. <laughs> yeah. And there's this tension because there's an action phase where the adventures happen, and then you have seasonal phases, which actually these seasonal actions tie you back to the community. So the longer you play, the less of an adventurer you are and the more, you, more tied you are to the local community. So uh, again, RuneQuest is sort of my North Star on a lot of this. Mm-hmm. You can ask Evan. We've had the, the goal is not to end the campaign with the character you start with Uh, your best case scenario is that they grow old and retire and new adventurers kind of take their place. Right. Yeah. So first, you know, so that people understand my joke, the, uh, the, the kingdom of the beast folk is the kingdom of of Barak Barad, I think. So that's why I was making this very bad joke. I've Uh, never heard that one. And that one's great. Like that's awesome. I, uh, as soon as you said it, I was like, Oh, that's, that's, why aren't more people making that joke? <laughs> it's because you're you're not talking to enough puerile people like me, and not, not enough childish people <laughs> around you, maybe. Um, so, Evan, can you talk a bit? Like, since you played it, can you talk a bit how this campaign frame sort of differs from classic murder hobo, or from <laughs> the rune quest, like actually be part of a of a tribe or a, a, a settlement? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it is interesting because Jackals, in some ways, like the perception of communities, the default is that the Jackals are murder hobos. And they they get invited in because you need a murder hobo to take care of something and then, you know, get out. And the, you know, interesting complication to it is that uh, it it has the idea that because, you know, the Jackals come in and... Uh, they can't help but have sort of uh, an an impact and build connections with the uh, distrusting society that they are they are hired to help. Um, that uh, they do end up having to, for their for their own self interest, start to invest in some community mm-hmm. um, and uh, and build it and become enmeshed in it. And uh, that balance between going out and having you know a couple of adventures each year, you know, a couple of of intense uh, matters, whether it's, you know, rescuing prisoners or exploring a ruin or something, and then coming back and you have to sort of park somewhere and you are grudgingly allowed in to, you know, rest in a community during the, the low season, so to speak, the, the, the non-adventuring season. And, you know, in order to sort of assuage what's going on, you you invest in some ways. Now, maybe they'll approve, approve of those investments, the things that you're building. You know, are you going to build sort of a barracks to attract more, you know, sort of mercenaries? Or are you going to uh, fund other things, invest and train and become more uh, involved in the, the governance of the, of the local community? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you're very successful, you come to the attention of, you know, sort of the regional authorities and the, and eventually the kings uh, or, or queens uh, or, or other lords. Uh, but of course, you know, it's very likely it's a it's a somewhat deadly system. Um, so, um, you know, there's a there's a good chance that either something's going to very badly happen to you and you're going to need to retire um, or, you know, you won't come back. But 
Um, you know, the idea is that it is built into this sort of generational play, that there there is the idea of, you know, it'll support a lot of different kinds of play, but but uh, it really sings in this building a a group that continues through and that has these ties to various communities or or maybe just one community. And in that way, you know, it has a the generational field that's been expanded on in, in the, the latest version of RuneQuest that that really saw groundbreaking in Pendragon. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it gives you a lot of tools to 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 experience different kinds of play. You know, the the murder hobo, the like, hey, we're here. We're in it for the silver. You know, we're here to kill your monster. What can you give us? Um, and then the, oh, wait, but yeah, the little orphans, we got to take care of them and, uh, we got to help out the, we got to, you know, the, we got to help, you know, build a palisade around this, you know, remote community. I kind of got attached to these people and, (laughs) and, uh, oh, we need to build a shrine to our fallen, our fallen companions, and are these you know, specific and, examples, Evan? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> is that, is and, that what uh, happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's my understanding also that uh, some of these, like the downtime, down, the downtime mechanics of, of the game, like with the seasonal stuff, also sorts of promotes this transition from murder hobo to actually be integrated in society. So this mm-hmm. is what might actually create that connection whereas if it's just like an advent like a normal rpg system you don't have this incentive right right yeah right and there's the 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 other thing that kind of keeps the murder hoboing to a a minimum is the fact that there there are there's the implicit assumption that there are lawful actions and there are corruptive chaotic actions right and some of the typical murder hobo things are on that corruption chart and if the lore master is paying attention yes. corruption is going to start climbing because you know what like robbing merchants and taking their stuff oh that's <laughs> yeah that's not something that builds the law of the land that's something that undermines mm-hmm. it yeah, and it's interesting because, um, you know, just like in, say, Warhammer, uh, Jackals has this corruption mechanic where you can have, like, corruption of the flesh, corruption of the mind, and then you have, like, I love rolling on tables, so, you know, I'm, I'm just, it's fine. You go to a table with different bad things that can happen to the characters, I love it. Whereas Glorantha doesn't really have that. Like, chaos is a big part of Glorantha, but it, it's not modeled in RuneQuest, for example. I mean, it might be modeled in other game systems, but it's not in RuneQuest or HeroQuest. I'm actually not sure if it's modeled in 13th Age, Glorantha. And so um, that's one thing that I liked with Jackals is that it's an increasing trend in uh, RPG game design to sort of like really better tie what is your game thematically about with what your mechanics are about, which again, is like Evan says, it goes back to Pendragon, but apparently it took like fucking decades to, for people to actually catch up on that. And so you have that in, in Jackals and not only that, but there is also an increasing trend of narrowing the, what the game is about. Like, 
the 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 world of jackals um what's called again the not the zaharets but the Zahar, yeah well the zaharets uh, is yeah the calypsis is the whole world calypsis yeah so yeah. it's not a do anything you want in there like it is in glorantha or um say in traveler right you can oh, do man. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> So it's not that. It's like, no, you're going to play a jackal. You're going to be fighting chaos and uh, recovering lost artifacts of the Luathi so that um, they can um, rebuild their history and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that, like, what do you think are the pros and cons of this? Like, because, you know, Glorantha and Traveler, I heard a lot of people say, you know, it looked cool, but I don't know what to do. Mm. It's also a strength because then you can do like, you know, a trading game in Glorantha or a warrior yeah. game or a, a political game or whatever. But yeah, do, do you have opinions on on this this double-edged sword, so to speak? Uh, well, I mean, I was going to say like in, in Glorantha, my, my entire multi-year campaign was really about, <laughs> it was all about marriage. <laughs> the, the main, the, the three main story arcs were getting the right people in the right position to make the right marriages or to make sure that the dowries were, were, were paid or going <laughs> yeah. to get a storm ram from. Yeah. So Evan, do you want to go first? You want me to, I mean, I, I have very strong opinions. <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> All right. Um, I, so for me, I love games that are tied very much to a setting or a specific point in time. Um, one of my favorite game designers is John Wick, the game designer, not yeah. the assassin. Um, <laughs> and you know, he, his rule is if it's if it's important to your game, it's got to have a mechanic on the character sheet. Mm-hmm. And all of his games, I think, are very like first edition Seventh C, first edition Legend of the Five Rings. They're very much time to, tied to a specific place and a specific time and a specific theme. And I think that was really important to me. You know, the idea that, hey, this, I mean, sure, a GM could take Jackals, and I hope they do. I hope they, like, they run whatever kind of game they want in it. But for most people, I realized I was introducing a time period that most people aren't really familiar with, a a setting that no one except people who were in my playtest were familiar with. And so going back to those three questions, you know, as opposed to making kind of a kitchen sink Mm -hmm. setting where, you know, anything could happen anywhere. I wanted to say here is clearly who you are, what you're doing and what happens if you don't engage with kind of the core conceit of the game. Cause I think for new players, it's an easy way to onboard them and for new GMs, like it's, it's really clear to say, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing. If you go and look yeah. at like, yeah, Ro- Robin right. Laws, uh, Robin Laws calls it the core activity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Tor, the One Ring, a game that I love, and if you've played, you can see its genetics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like the most mechanics in that game are actually the journey mechanics. Like yes. it's about what happens between point A and po- you know there and back again. Yes. And all of the things that happen and everything else is sort of kind of attached to, to the journey mechanics. Um, so I think it is a double-edged sword because if you don't like the core activity of the game, mm-hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to pick it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got great art, it, art, it's got, you know, beautiful layout. I love, you know, it's a little six by nine format. It's perfect. 
I mean, it's my game, so I feel like it's perfect, but, but also <laughs> like I really engage with that core activity. And I think my players uh, hopefully do as well. Evan, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, balancing that against sort of the more open, like, and I mean, I'm not sure if it's fair to say, you know, traveler or, or, uh, you know, RuneQuest are more open necessarily. They, they, their core mechanics are, are different and they, but they can be pointed in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're better and worse at, at doing things. And, uh, and like JM said, you know, you can take it and, and you can make it work for, you know, what you, what, what you want to do, but, but you may experience levels of frustration. I think that's one of the things, you know, with Glorantha having three supported game systems, mm-hmm. not only supported, I mean, 13th Age Glorantha is, is a little bit of a one-off, but we're mm-hmm. trying to, trying to work with that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, RuneQuest is the, is the driving engine and Quest Worlds is, is coming, you know, yeah. they have the SRD and the, they have a lot of, you know, older, uh, hero quest, uh, material, um, uh, that really does show you how to use that. And even, even quest worlds doesn't have also a, like a core activity built into it though. It's true. It's true. Um, I mean, the core activity is Glorantha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it's that, telling that a story is... in Glorantha. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, yeah. that's something that many newbies to Glorantha, they don't know basically which site to pick it from. And so they go like, this looks cool, but what do I do with it? Right. Yeah. No. And that's, that, that is a, that is a weakness and the versatility of, of being able to tell lots of different stories without being constrained by a core mechanic um, are, are the strengths. Jackals on the other hand, you know, it, 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 it really drives the, the kinds of stories. It doesn't mean that the, those are particularly limited. And I think people thrive on some borders uh, of it's like, oh, well, it, it pushes innovation because it's like, okay, well, these are the things that the characters can do. How can I challenge them in, in different ways? And, you know, the nice thing is in the, the three books that uh, have come out from JM, you know, you, you get a lot of variety uh, uh, and examples to to pull from, and so even if you aren't playing exactly through them, uh, you, you can uh, put together you know your own approach to it. I think that's also true in, in another way for Glorantha. We now have a, a lot of materials for it, and a lot of sort of examples. Um, and with the Johnstown Compendium, yeah. uh, even even more, but. That that does you know you you're walking up to the uh, to the 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 buffet and it's like oh wait did I what, what which which thing do I want to start with and yeah. you know or you end up with the, you know your plate completely piled and it's like oh um, I don't know now I don't know <laughs> what I want yeah but um, uh, you know we hope with exploring Glorantha we give people some tools I know that certainly Godliners also. Mm-hmm. Uh, really dives into things and helps people understand. And, and uh, I think you. that uh, I think that the community helps uh, incorporate people in, but uh, the, the core mechanic drives things a lot in, in jackals. And uh, I think maybe does allow for the, um, the new, uh, the person new to the world to say, Oh, well, I know, 
I, I know what my first couple of adventures I'm going to run in this are going to be because, you know, it's going to be the ragtag bunch of people from different cultures coming together because the, you know, they, they, they want to, uh, uh, make some money and make a name and uh, and uh, leave a mark on the world. Um, speaking of different cultures, another thing that I like with Jackals is you basically have like a spectrum, like when you look at games, like fantasy games, you have a spectrum from, uh, for example, Mythic Babylon and Mythic Rome from Mithras, or um, you were saying you played some GURPS. So there's like the GURPS, you know, Rome and uh, yeah. Greece, where they let you play in the fantasy um like fantasy earth basically mm-hmm. i think uh, i'm looking forward to uh, kenneth heights uh Elenistica, which is yeah. supposed to um release sometime i don't know when but anyway so you've got like basically myth um fantasy earth and then on the other side you've got like glorantha which is as far as i can tell trying trying its best to not have any one-to-one correspondence with mm-hmm. um with anything you know at some point it might look like the satellites might look like vikings or celts but then you've got a whole bunch of fans coming out of the woods saying like no 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 it's not like anything it's a bit of this and a bit of that and and then you've got the middle ground which jackals do and uh seven seas does and uh horn does where you look at the map and if you squint just a little bit, you can recognize Earth, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in Jackals, for example, like you said, the Zaharets are um, basically it's the Levant. Uh, then you've got the Malconi city-states in the north. That's the Greeks. And mm-hmm. you've got the, the, the um, what is it, the kingdom of Gur yeah. uh, in the south. And that's Egypt. And you look at the art, it's like, yeah, the Gerwa, they look like Egyptians. The Malconi, they look like Greeks. So you immediately know what tropes to reach for, mm-hmm. but without having to know too much about history because it's not Earth. So you can just get some tropes and make the other half up. That's right. And this is quite liberating because you have well-known tropes of, you know, pyramids and 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 people lying and uh, drinking wine and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's also fantasy. So that's also, to me, a double-edged sword with Glorantha, where it's trying to be very original, but as a result, people don't know what tropes to reach for, right? So mm-hmm. is it was like, I suppose that was a conscious decision when you when you designed Jackals. Uh, to a degree, yeah. I, uh, it's funny. Uh, so I think, Evan, you've heard this story. I originally was going to run um, my... I was putting together this this campaign that became the Zaharets and actually became fall of the children of bronze. And I was running it in basic like BX D and D. And again, I was in the middle of my master. So I'm learning all of this stuff. So I'm, you know, you know, I'm taking it, I'm twisting it. I'm, I'm throwing it against the wall, seeing what sticks uh, much like Greg did with all of, you know, all of his, you know, study of myths, much like yeah. Tolkien did with his study of, you know, old English and, um, you know, the Icelandic sagas, uh, right. I, is, uh, I think all of the dwarves in the Hobbit and Gandalf are just ripped off of a list of, uh, the prose edda. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. The master did this. Like you, if you read the prose edda, you're like, wait a second, 
Oing Loin Orinori Board. Wait a second. <laughs> I know these names. Yeah. Um, and eventually I just was like, man, I want to do something more with this. And I had, I had an, uh, an angel on my shoulder at Osprey who was constantly like asking me, Hey, so you know, how's your campaign going? What, you know, what's going on? And I, I finally was just complaining about BX D and love BX D and D, but it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, what would you do if you had the chance to do that? And so that's really when I sat down and was like, all right, I would want it to be, as you said, uh, a fantasy world that if you squinted right, you would come knowing what you needed to know, right? Most of us know the Greek myths. Most of us know what ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. you know, at least we have this image of it. You know, uh, you know, a lot of us grew up reading, um, reading scripture. And so having the old Testament, like, you know, <laughs> these images in our heads, you know, maybe fewer of us have seen Lawrence of Arabia, but right there, there are these touchstones that we could bring to it. And so I was like, I really want, I want it to be close, but different, I guess, is the way to say it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you squint at it, you're like, oh, that was the starting point. That's not where we ended up, but that was the starting point. Right. Uh, And whereas, yeah, in in Glorantha, you don't really know what is the, yeah, you don't know what what to reach for, basically. Um, I think, I mean, I think newbies would benefit from, us fans actually giving some one-to-one correspondences, like easy ones, uh, to to get to get better onboarding, basically. Um, but it's interesting when you mentioned, like you know, Greg and Tolkien. Um, as far as I understand, like you know, Tolkien really started from the linguistic mm-hmm. aspect. Greg looked at the mythic aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, is it fair to say like you started with more of the historical or like geopolitical aspect and 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 that's how that's the basis for um jackals for uh, the settings? To to, yeah. to a degree, yeah. Like like the history that I was learning, a lot of it was also looking at um in a much smaller way than Greg did, but looking at how the myths of essentially the Western Semitic traditions so um one of the podcasts i love listening to uh the lord of spirits talks about how you can look at greece either as the first western civilization or the last semitic civilization and when you actually look mythologically their myths bear way more and they have way more in common with canaan and babylon and sumer and and you know uh, uh israel then they do right from that point on then the romans come in and then they they kind of keep exporting them further and further west mm-hmm. but i mean i think and evan can evan can tell me uh i will i will defer to my lankor my scholar friend as we both seem to do ludo i appreciate yeah. that we both <laughs> both of our podcasts have a have a uh well i'm gonna just punt to the link or my scholar yeah um, we need to describe yeah that's right the uh what's interesting is if you if you do a good uh, a, a a a reading probably not just hero with a thousand faces but if you look at like masks of god by joseph campbell like for me joseph campbell and then carl Jung were the which I, I I realize I'm not making this possibly any easier, but those were the Rosetta <laughs> Stones for me to start looking at Glorantha and going, oh, that's where Greg pulled 
this idea that then you can see kind of echoed in all of these different cultures. It's the same story, much like the hero's journey is, you know, Campbell's thesis of all the stories are the same story. Like, but you would see like, Oh, well this thing from, you know, masks of God two is echoed here with her, with Ernalda and then down in its and over in Prax. Uh, but again, Evan's probably, Evan's the scholar. I'm just the and, talker. And, and it's always tricky to recommend some wildly outdated uh, mythological works from, uh, <laughs> from a questionable author uh, to, to, to <laughs> Lawrence and newbies, but yes. Uh, yeah, Evan. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, Again, if you're using it to understand Glorantha as opposed to necessarily understanding uh, the the real world, although yeah, you know the the scholarship develops and, uh, and and builds, and you know not everything holds up over time, but there are still uh, insights. I mean, we still go back and look at things like the Golden Bough, and mm-hmm. that where um, you know the the uh, Frazier may not have gotten everything right. He may, may have gotten most of everything wrong. And yet he still had a core of insight. And so, um, but yeah, I, you know, I went through my period of time. I mean, I, I have an anthropology background before I went into law and, you know, it sometimes felt like you, you know, you needed uh, like uh, a, a, a master's or PhD to like understand what was going on in these, you know, heavily culturally based games, but you don't, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're here to explain now that there, if you really are excited about it, you can yeah. go to these other sources and and gain insights and and connect things that will will make this imaginative world come alive and you'll be able to to deal with it more. But you know, I would say, don't try and you know do your correspondence course in uh, <laughs> in uh, comparative uh, imaginative world studies and uh, you know just to run a game. Yes, run the game. <laughs> Run the game and, you know, you play to find out is the real, you know, truth. And I think, you know, that that would go back to Greg, like Greg would, uh, you know, think about these things. But, you know, he was if you read the the, the Stafford campaign, the mm-hmm. first volume that they released, mm-hmm. I mean, they were sitting around the table drinking and crunching up beer cans and stuff and 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 just finding the world there in the play. And so that is the, the real juice. And that's, you know, uh, Jackals gives that to you. um, It, and, uh, and Glorantha is there uh, for that. And yeah, sure. We can, we can look at uh, real world mythology and cultures Mm -hmm. and gain some, some richness and texture to, to put into the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more fun you're having at it, the Oh, Oftentimes, yeah. the more you want to add into sort of the creative stew, mm-hmm, but yeah. but um, you know sometimes it's just good. You just it's just the thing that you like to do every week, and uh, you don't necessarily have to add anything to it. Everybody's having fun, and that's the that's the key thing. Yeah, yeah your zaharets yeah. will vary, and that is totally okay. <laughs> um, yeah. My sister, when you were talking about. The Golden Bow, Evan, and when Ludo, when you were talking about Campbell, my sister has this thing that I love that she keeps selling. She's in human factors engineering. And she's like, listen, science is just uh, our least wrong answer at the time. 
<laughs> not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying it's it's our least wrong answer. It's our it's our mostly correct answer, but we just don't know what the next innovation will bring that will throw everything we knew before. <laughs> So yeah, Evan was saying, you know, just start playing and find out. I totally agree. And, you know, as long as the people know which bit to take Laurenta and start with. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can we learn from jackals? For example, jackals is about, yeah, those people called jackals who are, um, like you said, like semi-murder hobos who come and, but they, they are still in the service of, the 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 local people so they come around and they fix stuff so what if you wanted to use that campaign framework in glorantha like you know where would you set it when would you set it well not surprisingly i have a couple of ideas (laughs) (laughs) yes but but so i was thinking about this and you know the the period i think that the best corresponds is sort of early third age resettlement of of dragon pass yes um because i had that on my bingo card <laughs> <laughs> because um this is you know the establishment of new settlements uh was wiped out for centuries in in the past and uh then people start to filter back in but it's filled with strange ruins and lost lost knowledge and strange beings, you know, the the elder races, the beast men, you know, they were not eaten, you know, at least en masse by the dragons. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, they have sort of a, a, in some ways they've had, you know, a period of time without having to compete with humanity. So there's all sorts of uh, mysteries and uh, dangers to experience and uh, new communities who are going to be, you know, inward looking on the one hand to, to try and get a foothold, but they are going to need, you know, some people to deal with some monsters or some problems, curses, other dangers that they're worried about. And I, I could see that as, as being a very good fit for the kind of play that uh, Jackals on the War Road is uh, is encouraging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, as I was thinking about it, I know that some people played that campaign sure. uh, concept yeah. um, uh, online. I think there's a, co- a couple of campaign logs. And, and the more I'm thinking about it, the more I think that this is actually more compelling to me than the current frame, like, or lack of campaign frame of you play in 1625 after the Dragon Rise, and, you know, there's stuff happening, but... Uh, what do you do? I don't know. So yeah, I actually like that. Who's got other ideas? I think I think uh, my brain just died. Griffin <laughs> Mountain is that what it was so, called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Griffin, Griffin Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. Griffin Mountain has like the best hook like that. Hey, you're a bunch of um, people in Balazar who are constantly under threat, constantly having to push back. Mm-hmm we're sending people out to try and do that. And I think that is, that is the, just a great hook to start. But I think also, I mean, I think for me, the, the key for starting a Glorantha game with this kind of very punchy thing that, that resides on the GM. And so Mm -hmm. if you're saying, Hey, we're in 1320 or sorry, 1626, we're in a Tula here is, the initial hook 
right? There is a chaos nest, a brewer coming north. Um, you're at a trade point. Your, your job is to repel lunar invaders. Um, once, once people get into Glorantha, as Evan said, man, the, the joy comes through the play <laughs> and it just like, I, like I have a game that is percolating in the back of my mind where the hook would be, uh, we're restarting the tournament of, uh, the master of luck and death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you're working for the people in the city who are desperately trying to get all of the pieces needed. <laughs> to to put this in play and then man now we've got holy country we've got you know belantar's heirs kind of trying to do something i realize i may be wildly off or off the script but hey mine will vary that's so fine that's, yes that's, that's fine <laughs> cool yeah my uh my joker answer was also uh, a campaign set at the dawn mm. just after yeah. um um same thing like there's i mean big cataclysm and lost mm-hmm. things that predate time literally in this case yeah. but then now yeah you're trying to uh to build something um and there's also especially something fun maybe to do when uh the Thalans, so the the people that basically worship the main light bringer deities that people would know from the from the request world book they actually started spreading around into the wilderness to all those communities that are completely lost and they're worshiping like random spirits and whatnot that help them survive the darkness and that some of those spirits might or might not be actually like Orlanth or Ronaldo or whatever but they don't know because they only have partial knowledge and basically like you know spread that and you know fight the whatever chaos is still lingering around uh, so there's some maybe cool campaign frame to be, yeah, to be that, that's not a joker answer that's awesome like i would <laughs> yeah it, it made me, and i'm probably stealing one of evan's uh sorry evan uh the resettling of pavis like i think that would be a great a great when new pavis is getting is getting built like going into going into big rubble yeah right after the big uh mecha battle mm-hmm Right, yes. Um, how else can we, you know, kit bash jackals and Glorantha? Like, for example, is there any value in actually playing with the jackals clash system in Glorantha? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I love RuneQuest. I've played it for many years, but uh, combat slows way down, and strike ranks are uh, are a little you know wonky to to work with. Yeah. And uh, the clash system is a, a much faster combat system, and it's otherwise built on open quest, which is mm-hmm. a, a, a akin to to BRP. You know, it would not be that difficult, I think, in in many ways to import it into operation. And the operation of the clash system does not per se conflict with sort of the various magic systems. We we haven't talked about the magic and jackals, which is amazing um yeah it's very uh, different with yeah it's very different uh very culturally based systems each culture having its own uh uh, approach to things but uh you could easily sub in you know the casting of 
uh, spirit and mm-hmm. uh, and rune magic and even uh, maybe sorcery to along with the class system without there being a, a particular conflict. It, it would take, you know, a little bolting on, a little yeah. uh, adjustments, but it, it definitely would operate well. I think the uh, the hardest thing is that I don't know if the inspiration is directly from, for example, 13th Age, but the the way that the monsters work and the way that there are different things that happen keyed off the role so that you're not like rolling a series of roles to find out, but you're, you know, it's one role and you have a chart and it says, you know, this is this is what happens. Uh, 13th Age has some of these triggered actions for its monsters. That's totally uh, where it comes from, Evan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, that's the work is to put those sort of interesting things into the encounters uh, and, and sort of steal uh, the uh, monster design and and uh, and bolt that onto you know your standard brew or scorpion man, mm-hmm. um, you know, or opposing Humakti warrior <laughs> to uh, to figure out how how that works for you. So it's it's not without some work, but I think people would find that it would give you a different experience mm-hmm. of of the actions and combat. Yeah, I, I'm pretty vocal about it. I don't like RuneQuest too much, so you know, I'm I'm good for uh, using any better system or you know, cleaning RuneQuest. I'm a big advocate of cleaning RuneQuest the same way Call of Cthulhu was cleaned up for Seventh Edition, right? Uh, but looking at the Jackals system. First, I was like very happy to see that uh, there is indeed like a table for attack versus parry, but it makes sense. It's easy to remember. There's no like you just have to compare the level of success, and then it's it's just that. Um, but there's also um, a simple like um, mechanic for sort of augmenting or inspiration to you know get bolstered by mm-hmm. something that relates to you as a, as a character. And there is also something that RuneQuest doesn't quite have, but which is very thematic in terms of you know, being motivated by, you know, defending your tribe or whatnot, which is the whole uh, metal and valor um, system in combat, which basically tracks not only your physical wounds, but also your willpower, basically, to keep on going, which also applies to enemies. So you have like a very simple way also to figure out when enemies would give up and say like, oh, you know, ransom, please. And so... And so I like I like that it's in the system, and it makes me add another argument to why RuneQuest <laughs> isn't quite enough. <laughs> but yeah, so it's 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 um, it's nice to have a system that adds that, like you said, if it's important to your setting, it should have a mechanic, yeah. uh, or rather, as John Wick said. But yeah, yeah. I mean, John Wick, and the other thing I love about John Wick, and I'll just toss this out there, is he is also the guy who said, if you come up with some cool new game design, know that Greg Stafford invented it 30 yeah. years ago, and he worded <laughs> it better than you did. So, Cool. So we are uh, coming up to uh, the end of our time. So uh, thank you a lot for talking about jackals and glorantha 
of course, people should uh, check out Exploring Loretta. There will be links in the show notes. Uh, but JM, you are uh, now also a uh, full-fledged, uh, full-time game designers, and you have yes. a uh, amazing uh, Kickstarter, which is about to finish. Like I said, yeah, um, but it'll be open in backer kit. There will be late. There will be late pledges. Yeah. So tell us what it is about because it's cool because it's uh, steampunk. Yeah, it's uh, so I am uh, one of the owners of Strange Owl Games, which is a new game company where we our our inaugural game was uh, Space eighteen eighty nine after written by the uh, wonderful Daryl Hayhurst and Rachel Savicki. Uh, it was on Kickstarter by the time you hear this and backer kits should be opening hopefully sometime in, in uh, February. It is a, it is the, you know, the granddaddy of all steampunk role-playing games and actually uh, probably influenced the steampunk aesthetic more than we probably give it credit for. Cause it was the first steampunk product besides just having a cover that actually had art that you could look at and go, Oh, mm. this is, this is a cool piece of steampunk thing and then in march or april if you like what you heard about clash we're going to be launching um another role-playing game called amboria the world under starlight which my uh my good friend richard roland he does the grand campaign with me uh plays in a bunch of the games that uh, evan uh plays in uh, it's his world and he is far more on the tolkien side of things he has a master's in philology and tolkien studies and this is a world Ooh. that he's been working on for probably close to 20 years and oh, wow. likes the clash system. So we're going to pair them together and we're going to bring that to Kickstarter as our next game. Is there going to be a, a tedious singing mechanic in it? Uh, there will be a singing mechanic <laughs> and there is actually rules for, no, no, don't put that for, uh, <laughs> if you want to really dig down and write, you know, figure out what plays and operas are in vogue this season. That's he's got his own unique seasonal actions. Uh, there'll be a ton of poetry. Richard writes wonderful poetry. And, nice. uh, okay. if you want to get a taste of what Amboria is like, you can go to darklybrightpress.com and mm -hmm. uh, his book of poetry is uh, the Akbaritha is available uh, for purchase and uh, there'll be even more I mean, it, I'm really looking forward to it I'm, it, it is it is a an amazing opportunity to see the clash system kind of out in a new game cool uh well i'll try to have all of this as links in the show notes so people can uh, shower you with money and uh, you and your friends <laughs> uh, we we do know we need to like there's another glorantha thing coming out here that that mr evan is involved in yes evan <laughs> talk about the warring kingdoms all right uh this is a fan supplement so the principle behind it is to distribute it for at least in the pdf for free um it is called um red moon and warring kingdoms um it started as a lark <laughs> about five years ago where i started to uh just noodle around with like, how would I make lunar player characters in 13th age Clarentha? Mm -hmm. And it was really written for me and maybe jam and a couple of other people, uh, a lot of cross references and things and people encourage, Oh, well let's escalation. Tim Baker is the, the uh, publisher editor for uh, escalation uh, magazine, which is a fanzine also free 
excellent for 13th Age. And uh, he got interested in it. And he has uh, committed now that it will be the next publication from uh, released by uh, Escalation, the manuscript after five years of noodling around and the contributions of many, many dozens of volunteer editors, including York, who gave me a hard time on a lot of things quite appropriately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although, you know, we uh, we went back and forth in the notes and sometimes I was like, oh, you're absolutely right. You're a guy. I need to fix that. And sometimes I'm like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally want to do a Lankermise Sage uh, uh, Bake Off between no. you and, and I was just thinking JM and I would, would, would do like a pop quiz question <laughs> of deep cut no, Laurenton lore. And yeah, that, uh, that should be fun. No, you're, you're, well, let's work on has 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 uh has much greater general knowledge i have i have i have depth here and there and and i'm really good at prep um but uh anyway uh the the contributions uh, of the volunteers have been uh amazing anyway the manuscript got finished included in it will be a piece of uh, framing fiction mm-hmm. uh inspired at least in part by the travels of Baturian Varash and the mm the uh, reminiscences of Paulus Longvale and uh, which is fantastic by the way I got to read oh. it and I am uh, it's I, amazing I, I I'm too close to all of this to 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 uh, <laughs> think much about the quality but I can tell you that I've seen you know some of the initial layout and uh, the art is being done in-house by escalation escalations layout person is also their artist if you look at prior issues you'll see the incredible quality that trisha breaker brings and the early parts that uh she's uh shown to me uh to illustrate this uh it's a whole new dimension uh, of Gloranthan art that I think people are going to love yeah I've shared a couple bits in the journal of phronic studies as I as I uh, caught those that you shared yes yeah um, there's, uh, I should say, uh, one or two other things, which is that the, so the setting is for lunar player characters, but not in the lunar empire, in the, uh, in the periphery in Franella in the far West, yeah. <laughs> uh, where the great, uh, danger is this thing called the kingdom of war. And I think people are going to find a lot to to um, take away from it, even if you don't play 13th Age Quantha, or even if you don't play uh, lunar player characters as uh, as outlined in the the new classes uh, that we I put together. Uh, it it opens this incredible area of Glorantha and I hope makes it approachable and interesting. And uh, I I can definitely say that. It started off as a, a much less ambitious project, and uh, every kind word and uh, and critical, thoughtful uh, response uh, built it to make it better. And so, uh, we're not sure when it'll come out. Obviously, all volunteer um, and uh, people who have uh, other things to do, raising children, working jobs, but it's coming, and I believe it will come in 2023, and uh, I think it's going to knock your socks off. Hopefully, we'll have Evan uh, on the iconic uh, production channel to run a an episode, another episode of. Uh, yeah. yeah, there was a play test, Rising Moon Rescue, 
uh, on the Iconic uh, production channel where I ran for some folks who uh, played Lunar Player characters uh, mm -hmm. for the first time. So there's a that's on YouTube, and um, uh, there have been some tweaks, but uh, but <laughs> but generally it ran the way it was supposed to, and it was a lot of fun. So nice, yeah. I would. We'll have links to that too. Um, I would love to play or to game master a lunar game. Uh, one of the things I actually pitched to my players before we picked the current campaign I'm in, uh, I wanted to do some sort of Jason Bourne in the lunar empire with the dot nice. wars and star stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, campaign. So uh, I still want to do that one day. Maybe I'll do that uh, based on your, uh, based on your write ups. I, I, I think it would support that cool uh so thanks again uh everybody check out their stuff and we'll see you on exploring Gorenta and hopefully at chaosium con are you going at chaosium con yes we are well evan is for certain i'm hoping to be there <laughs> like oh, yeah? evan, okay. we are <laughs> i'm cool. willing it into existence all right. jam <laughs> all right evan <laughs> i want to be there here's hoping yeah, cool. Well, hopefully um, see uh, one or two of you there. And thanks again for uh, your time coming on, on the show. Thank you for having us. Anytime. Big fan of God Learners and glad to uh, to be a part of it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The God Learners. Our website is godlearners.com, where you can find episodes, newsletters, and articles about Glorantha. Reach us via email at collective at godlearners.com or via Twitter or Facebook at The God Learners for any questions or feedback. We are The God Learners. Question everything to the void and beyond. <laughs> <laughs>